Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Total Media Podcast. Now this is a really special episode. As most of you guys know, we've been trying a very we've tried we've been trying a lot to branch from product management into blockchain. And we've got not just the perfect guest, but we've got the biggest influencer on LinkedIn in India, Mr. Rohas Nagpal. Now, Mr. Rohas Nagpal is not somebody who needs an introduction at all. But still, for the viewers, Rohas, could you please introduce who you are and what you do? Sure, Bucks. So, uh, I actually come from the cybersecurity and hacking background, where I started off in the early 1990s as a hacker. At that time, we did not use the word ethical hacker. We were all just called hackers. And in 99, I moved into cyber investigation and I've uh, handled investigations across the globe in more than 18 countries. And in fact, I first came across Bitcoin when I was investigating a case of the drug mafia using Bitcoin for payments. This was again way back early in 2010. And subsequently then, you know, I really developed a fascination for blockchain and crypto technology. And from 2016 onwards, I've been working completely in that space. And I've uh, developed enterprise solutions for a lot of banks around the world. And I'm very active in the crypto space. I hope that introduction was enough. That was a really fascinating introduction. As I said, most people who are watching this podcast already know who you are and exactly what you do. And I'm sure most people have, most people watching this podcast are already huge fans of your work. But something that really fascinated me about what you said is that Bitcoin, when you, the first time you were introduced to Bitcoin was actually when it was used as a currency in the drug mafia. So could you elaborate on that? And as sure, to sure. at what point did Bitcoin become a mainstream currency versus something that was only used in the mafia? Sure. So when we look at the early stages of Bitcoin, so it was primarily used by Silk Road, which is, uh, which as you may know, was an illegal site running on the Tor network. And you could buy anything from drugs to weapons to forged documents on that. And subsequently, when the Silk Road was shut down and the owner was, you know, uh, put into prison, then we started to see that a lot of other criminals started to use because I believe very strongly in one thing. If a technology is used by the criminals, then it must be really secure because these are the guys who are really good at all sorts of crime. So when you look at ransomware creators, they were stage two and a ransomware creator is probably one of the smartest programmers out there. He or she are developing malware which could lock up virtually any computer or server in the world so their level of tech understanding is phenomenal and if they take all their money through bitcoin well that kind of proves to you how secure that technology is and uh, so after silk road and the drug mafia i started to see a lot of the ransomware creators using it today of course i'd like to clarify most smart criminals do not use bitcoin anymore because bitcoin is pseudo anonymous you can still track down people's addresses and transactions. But when you use privacy coins like Monero, it is virtually impossible to do any investigation. So the smart criminals today primarily use privacy coins. That's really fascinating. So anybody in the viewers who's planning to become, planning to join the drug mafia, we've got the answers to what exactly you have to do. Answer straight <laughs> from Rovas. <laughs> I sure hope none of you are planning to do that. <laughs> But anyways, uh, that was a really fascinating introduction. And what um, I really want to get to the crux of it. What exactly do people not understand about blockchain and crypto? Sure. When I browse through LinkedIn, when I browse through YouTube, I see so many mixed opinions. I see people doing all sorts of technical analysis. I see people doing all sorts of speculation. I see meme coins. And 
uh, I get kind of confused. I, I I don't understand who is right, who is wrong, and what people are just not understanding about the whole blockchain and crypto space. Sure, sure. Uh, so let's begin with blockchain. So you know, let's say that I am lending someone money, and tomorrow that person says you never lent me any money. So I'd definitely like some proof. So now suppose at the time when I'm giving the money to someone, ten different people recorded on their phones. and then each of them uploads it to their own social media say an instagram or a linkedin or a facebook now we have solid evidence which is decentralized and spread across multiple social media platforms that's at the core what a blockchain does you can have an unlimited number of nodes a node could be a laptop a cell phone or a server and a node is going to replicate all the data so fundamentally that's what a blockchain is and to bring in the level of security blockchains use digital signatures and hash functions and these are technologies that have existed for decades so it's not like bitcoin invented these technologies these technologies have been there since the 70s in fact the government of india legalized digital signatures in the year 2000 which is about 21 years ago so these are very robust technologies that are put together and used when it comes to blockchain so the one thing that i want everyone to understand is that a blockchain is built for smart asset life cycle management only which means you can create an asset which could be an equity share a fiat currency a crypto anything and then you don't need intermediaries to run it that technology runs it so you can grow the uh, the cryptos you can transfer them delete them destroy them but everything is done by the technology and not by intermediaries so when i hear about a lot of people putting data into the blockchain you know medical records and all it doesn't make sense because blockchain is not made to handle data it is made to handle smart assets i hope the part was clear not too technical that was a really fascinating thing because i i recently met a startup here and i met so many startups here in dubai which are uh, putting different forms of data supply chain etc on the blockchain but what exactly do you mean by smart assets i don't think i understood that sure so now let's take an example of eth so eth is ether which is a cryptocurrency which runs on the ethereum platform now i want to create my own token on ethereum so to create it i am going to deploy a smart contract but i need to pay for executing that contract so i pay the currency eth to the platform which then distributes it amongst miners and other people that's not relevant to us so eth becomes the medium of exchange for buying and selling services on ethereum so now when we look at eth we realize that eth is an asset in itself people can buy it people can sell it people can trade in it and then you can use platforms like uh, uniswap to swap between assets running on ethereum so someone runs a token called bat basic attention token somebody else runs a token called uniswap uni which is a governance token and now i can swap between these two and at every stage i am using eth to do the transaction payments so these are all smart assets an eth a us dollar stable coin and equity share so you know somebody binance started this concept where a custodian would buy shares of amazon and keep it with itself and then issue a tokenized version on the blockchain which anybody in the world can now buy and sell because otherwise for a non american to buy shares of an american company is difficult 
you need to have an account in america transfer foreign exchange lots of problems but once it comes on the blockchain anyone could trade it very easily so all of these are what we call as smart assets any financial asset running on a blockchain is a smart asset i hope that was clear that was incredibly clear and i think the clarity of, and depth of thought that you have is absolutely mind blowing but you really mentioned something in 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 between first of all bat brave uh, the brave token I, i'm really glad you mentioned that i'm using brave browser right now i'm a huge fan oh, awesome. of that but yeah but um, you mentioned the the synthetics which is the uh, for example tokenized the tokenized shares right Right. Uh, that brings up an interesting question. What are the regulatory issues that crypto startups face? Because uh, I know that a lot of, for example, synthetic real-world assets, etc., might be banned by the US SEC. So I just wanted to get your sure. opinion. You, and you are also a chief blockchain architect, right? So you probably have a lot of um, understanding about what the regulatory sure. aspects are. So yeah. Sure. So when we look at cryptocurrencies, there are eleven categories. and some of those categories automatically get legal protection for example when we talk about nfts most nfts are intellectual property so we already have conventional intellectual property laws around the world for decades if not centuries so there is not much of a regulatory challenge but when it comes to things like tokenized assets that's where maximum regulatory challenges come for example every country has laws around how land can be bought and sold and they're quite strict laws so when you try to tokenize land and put it on the blockchain you hit a lot of regulatory barriers another place you hit it is when you go into securities like equity shares so let's say a startup wants to raise funding on the blockchain and they say we will give you equity shares in return that's completely illegal because almost every country in the world has a very specific area of law governing securities and there whether it's the us sec or the indian sebi they already have laws in place which forbid you from doing this so what we've got to remember is that there are 11 types of cryptos and what business we are doing should not come under a negative list now in india as of today i could say only equity tokens are completely regulated by sebi because whether you call it a token or not if it's equity related it is a security covered by the existing law other than that what we are working on is wrapped assets so you know taking commodities and putting them on the blockchain like tea coffee and spices those kind of use cases then you need to see are there local regulators for commodities if so they would regulate you if not you could go ahead without much of a risk like in uh, brazil we now see the world's first coffee coin which has come out and it is actually backed by the green coffee beans and it is being used by the entire ecosystem in coffee from the farmers the growers the manufacturers sellers everyone so for crypto startups my advice to you would be first figure out the use case that you are into is that governed by any law don't worry about whether crypto is governed or not what are you trying to do which type of those 11 cryptos are you doing and is there a law which governs those and then you will get your answers very easily i hope that was clear that was incredibly clear you know the more you talk the more you answer the questions the more clarity i am getting myself like before this recording i used to think that i am some sort of expert in blockchain but now <laughs> i realize that i am talking to the expert at blockchain no i wouldn't um, call myself an expert i've been learning it for many years but there's still so much to go absolutely absolutely that, that's totally fascinating but um 
Yeah, so you talked about the regulatory issues. So, like, um, I, I'm seeing most of these blockchain startups are reg- in India, especially are registered in like BVI and Seychelles. And sure. uh, one more thing is is that, um, for example, I was we are setting up a blockchain startup as well here in Dubai, and the the regulatory body is called the DIFC, the Dubai mm-hmm. something Financial Center. And what they were telling us is that all the laws are kind of in a gray area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no like specific laws uh, right now. So what would you like to say about that? Because sure. um, in a lot of parts of the world, laws don't exist. So sure. if I, I am, I'm not the kind of person who believes in speculation, but what do you think is the future of these laws as well? I know sure. I've, I've jumped in, I've bundled like five questions in one, but should, like, please no, answer. I get so uh, what I have done is, is in the new project that I'm working on, we've registered and incorporated in the state of Wyoming in the US. Now Wyoming, otherwise you may not have heard about, it's a very tiny state and uh, famous more for its cowboys and uh, the Yellowstone National Park. So what they've done is they've made a series of laws around blockchain and crypto, which are absolutely mind-blowing. So, for example, did you know that, you know, you must have heard about decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. Under the Wyoming law, a DAO can automatically be registered as an LLC. I mean, that's again mind-blowing. You don't need to do anything extra. You just straight away can register it as a company. Secondly, they've introduced a concept called an open blockchain token, where if you meet certain criteria, then you pay a fee and your token is not just a typical crypto anymore. It's a very unique crypto called an open blockchain token recognized by their laws. So they've come out with a very nice series of laws. And I encourage a lot of the startups out there to have a look at the Wyoming laws when they are considering where to uh, incorporate. Now you mentioned BVI and a few others. Uh, my only problem with those jurisdictions is they instantly people start to think that you are doing something shady because these are also known as tax havens and a lot of money laundering goes through some of these tax haven countries. I'm not naming them, but you know what I'm talking about. So that can kind of put your potential investors and customers, you know, a little make them feel a little doubtful about what you're trying to do. Whereas I feel the US as a jurisdiction enjoys the credibility and the, some of the laws are amazingly well made. So that's my take on it. And coming to regulative, what I expect to see in the next few years is governments would regulate crypto not as one thing, but each of the 11 categories would be regulated separately. So an NFT would go to the regular intellectual property regulators. A ready money in India today, for example, it could actually go under the category of a prepaid instrument, which the RBI already governs. Nobody's stopping them from registering under that. An equity token would go to SEBI. So like this, there would be regulators for each type of crypto. That's, again, really fascinating. So, um, again, I'm not the kind of person who does speculation, but what I'm hearing, especially in the cryptocurrency, is that in this winter session of the parliament, there's going to be a law passed out. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are saying that. Well, I, I saw you laughed at it. So, well, well, what's your opinion on that? Okay. So, the media, for whatever reason, loves to talk about India and its upcoming laws. And I've been hearing about this through so many sessions of the parliament. As of right now, I have no clue what they're planning to do. And like I said, I sincerely hope when they pass such a law, it would look at crypto functionally as different things and not one single thing called crypto. Because crypto is just of too many different types. I'm not really sure when the law will come. I hope it does come soon. Okay. Okay, that's that's a pretty fascinating answer. Anyway, so this brings us to the second segment of the podcast. We've talked about regulation. We've talked about what is blockchain. We've talked about what is crypto. We've talked about setting companies. But now we're going to take a turn into your area of expertise, which is blockchain development. Yeah. 
Sure. So I think my first question would be how does blockchain development differ from just regular software development? Sure. So actually, I'd like you to uh, to pe- for people to understand that as a developer, you don't need to know blockchain to integrate. So what happens is now, like I told you, so a blockchain would be a bunch of computers connected to each other and running some kind of a software. Now you are building your own solution. So let's say you're building a mobile app, and now in that mobile app you have 50 functions, some of which require interaction with a blockchain. At that stage, all that you need to do is integrate the API. So today there are so many very interesting APIs available, and then there's a nice startup called Tatum with which. i've uh, partnered for one of my courses that i'm running so what they're doing is they're building apis around all the popular blockchains in the world and i think they've already covered about 40 of them so as a developer you don't need to know anything about blockchain you continue to develop in whatever programming language you use and whenever you need the blockchain to do something for you integrate an api so when a user clicks a button to create an nft at that stage you could trigger an api command to the blockchain to create an asset and the blockchain responds with certain data which you can display and store in your databases whatever you want to do with the blockchain creating moving assets destroying them everything can be done through apis so technically you don't need to learn blockchain development i hope that made sense that made a lot of sense in fact that is very different from the answer i was expecting from you i thought you would start mentioning solidity and rust and smart uh, okay. contracts that, that's a good point so when would you try to use something like solidity is now if you are going to create your own smart contracts and honestly speaking most of the use cases i hear do not require smart contract i'll tell you where a smart contract would fit in so let's say you are designing for an insurance company that and it is a flight insurance program that if my flight is delayed by 3 hours or more then automatically i will get paid an insurance amount payout or my premium is gone now that could be coded into a smart contract when the flight lands the blockchain then speaks to an oracle like through chainlink gets the timing of the actual flight landing from the airport authority and then decides whether to give you the money or not so you spoke uh, you also are a user of the basic attention token now that's a complex use case so they've needed to develop their own smart contract but other than that most of the use cases i hear don't actually require new smart contracts to be drafted you could just use the api services again pretty fascinating answer i think this is a really positive answer for people who want to get into blockchain development especially like people a lot of people including anubhav on the call here had told me that they want to get into blockchain development blockchain product Mm-hmm. and i think the answer that i gave everyone was learn solidity and rust and now i feel that i was completely wrong and i should have just uh, at least next time i'm going to give uh, put forward the answer that you just said sure that's yeah so okay uh, i'll give you a little bit of a background about our podcast and how we started out so we have started okay. out as a product managers podcast that's why my name over here is product cult okay um, and i'm a huge product enthusiast i love creating new products i love ideating on products most of my friends are product nerds as well we were actually at one point india's biggest instagram page on product management and everything oh that's like awesome that. yeah uh, thank you so much <laughs> so um that's where i would like, really like to ask you as to how does product management differ from blockchain product management okay uh, so yeah okay so let's look at it from two angles so one angle is let's say you are creating a new blockchain in itself then you could consider it to be just like any other software in the world that you are going to build see you know actually blockchain frameworks are simple softwares 
they need an operating system on which they are going to run and it is quite similar to any other software in the world but the difference comes when the blockchain starts to run then it is quite a unique piece of technology so the first thing that a product manager needs to understand is that what are we developing are we creating our own blockchain framework something like say the ethereum protocol or the multi chain framework are we building something like that there is a completely different way to look at second is are we developing a solution which is leveraging an existing running blockchain so there is binance smart chain running in the world are we simply accessing it into our product then it requires a completely different approach where you say okay the blockchain is like this black box somewhere in the world we don't have anything to do with it some other random miners in the world are running it and our product needs to connect through it through apis and do certain stuff and then the third aspect we could look at is that we are simply aggregating information across multiple blockchains so again we say there are now multiple black boxes running in the world and we are going to pull information so the product managers must understand this distinction are you creating your own framework are you leveraging a particular running blockchain or are you going to be aggregating data from multiple blockchains and then your approach would change depending on that i hope that made sense that made a lot of sense and it actually cleared out a lot of questions that i had in my head as well because i'm also personally trying to build my brand as a blockchain product manager and that awesome. really helps in fact i'm going to definitely listen to this podcast once more just so that i can like completely internalize what you said i think you meant used a lot of big terms in a very small period of time and especially someone who isn't that uh, much of an expert would really like should definitely listen to it again and viewers who are watching the podcast and i have stayed till now you should definitely consider watching it again it helps us as well we get more ad revenue so thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways my last question for this segment is if a beginner wants to get into blockchain development how should they sure so i would strongly recommend the first thing you should do is run your own blockchain and it's much easier than it sounds you know people think it's really difficult it's not so i would recommend go to the multi chain site that's a, a fork of bitcoin itself but with a nice easy api layer to use so you just need to set up a basic server you could do that on digital ocean for 5 dollars a month or less or you could even use your own laptop now the moment you go to the multi chain site it gives you four five commands to run and in less than 60 seconds you actually spin up your own blockchain then you can ask a few friends to do the same and then all of you can connect and you become different nodes on a test blockchain that you've set up and then try running api commands create assets move them around and that's the simplest way to learn blockchain development by actually running blockchains once you feel that okay multi chain is now easy for you try bitcoin try monero try ethereum and by the time you set up these three or four blockchains trust me you'll be like quite advanced in your knowledge practical way is i would recommend the best way that's how i learned blockchain i didn't go to any course there was no course at that time i simply used to set up blockchains and learn directly absolutely and you mentioned that there was no course at that time and right now i think it's a good time to plug your course so for the viewers <laughs> rohas rohas sure. has his own course if you want to plug your course uh, we're totally down for that as well right sure, sure. it's a it's a free course that i've started called blockchain adds which is administration development design and security so my objective is because when i look around for good blockchain developers i don't find too many and secondly when i hear people talk about blockchain sometimes they are so wrong in their use cases that i feel bad that you know people need to understand better so i announced this course i got about 600 plus applications from around the world and now the first batch starts on 6 november with 
uh, I think there are about 50 people I've finalized from 35 different nations. And we are going to look at blockchain very, very practically. And all the videos will be available to everyone in the world for free. So I strongly recommend at least have a look at all the videos. There is absolutely no fee. You don't even need to register. I don't need your emails or anything. I just want people to learn how blockchain actually works. Absolutely. I love I love the whole non-profit attitude. Everything we do is also kind of non-profit. So I, I really I really love that as well. Anyways, moving to the last segment of um, this podcast where we're going to talk about the future, what uh, and also some terms that people don't understand. So I think I think Rohas is the perfect person to give us the ultimate verdict. Now I I I have a feeling that Rohas would not like to answer this question, but I'm still going to ask him the question. So Rohas, can we have your ultimate verdict? Do we do you think that crypto right now is in a bubble or not? Sure. Excellent question. There are 13,000 cryptocurrencies in the world. And recently I came out with my crypto predictions for 2022. And I said 99% of these will fail. And honestly, they deserve to fail. So I would say around the world today, if you look the real good projects, which I think have potential, maybe less than a few hundreds. So out of the 13,000, definitely 99% of them are bubbles. And they're not going to probably last. But there are a lot of good projects out there. And I have a lot of uh, hope and I see a lot of potential in DeFi, decentralized finance. And that I think is going to boom really big time. And I expect the overall crypto market capitalization, which today is about two and a half trillion to become five trillion by the end of next year. So I see this huge opportunity in the next 12 months. I would say a massive surge in crypto projects. And then I think we'll start to see more rationalization and 99% projects shutting down. And that's a good thing for the ecosystem. We need to weed out the bad ones. So I'm quite hopeful for the next 12 months. Okay. That, that answer is really good for like a really optimistic answer for me as well. It makes me really happy that you said that actually I'm launching my own uh, NFT based project soon. So, so I've, I've been really worried about the fact that um, the bubble will just burst and um, I won't get any investors and stuff like that. But um, what you said really makes me really happy. And uh, that brings me to my next question. So you said that 99% of the crypto projects right now are just a bubble. But what about the NFTs? Do you think people will still buy and sell NFTs a few months from now? Or is that also a bubble? Good question. So in fact, uh, that's why I was asking whether you had a chance to attend my Insta Live yesterday because I've announced my NFT project, which is called the Human Talent NFTs, where I'm looking at ordinary people, but talented youngsters issuing NFTs against their future social media influence. I'm a big fan of NFTs, provided the NFT is either a collectible that I can use, say in a metaverse, or it gives me some kind of intellectual property rights. So if I buy a Filmstar's NFT, I don't just randomly want an image. What am I going to do with that image? There are hajar images on the internet. But if that gives me the right to use that image to promote my own business, it makes sense to me. So either an NFT should be a collectible, or it should give me some intellectual property rights. Only then can I call it an investment. Otherwise, it's just another expenditure. And that is what I see most NFTs today are just, I mean, expenditures. You don't really have any way to make money from them. So I don't see them lasting too long. All right. So you're saying the utility, the utility behind the NFT is what actually matters and Absolutely. not actually the, the design or how it looks. 
Exactly, because my point is, I I bought the the NFT, but the question is, what am I going to do with it? Okay, if it is going to allow me to take, let's say I'm running my own, I have a virtual home inside a multiverse. Now in that virtual home, I need to put a painting on the wall. Great. I need to then buy an NFT painting and then put it here because it's a uh, digital version of it. But you know what? I'm not going to pay huge amounts of money for that unless it is made by some really famous artist. So NFT creators need to understand today we are in that very initial dot-com kind of phase where anything sells. Very soon people are going to start to question that what am I going to do? Am I going to be able to resell this in the future? And only then would it make sense to me. Otherwise it won't. So that's something NFT developers really need to take a hard look at. That's an incredible answer. And I just realized, so what you said about human talent NFTs, I was, I, I had not attended your life, but I was discussing this exact same thing with my dad. And I actually, I have done something very similar. So I've created an awesome. NFT with, I've created an NFT with my face. And mm-hmm. uh, the whole premise is that if you think I'm going to be really famous in the future, you should buy this NFT and uh, bet on that fact. See, that's a good <laughs> idea. But I'll tell you the problem in that. Suppose I do feel that you have a great future. How can I successfully participate in your future today when i look at a company and i think it's going to do well i can simply buy their shares if i think facebook will do better in the future i can buy facebook shares today we cannot buy shares in individual so now suppose i believe that you are going to do well so why can't i buy your future tweets or insta posts where i tell you that today at a cheap price sell me 10 posts then i will hold on to that nft and five years from now when you're a global famous guy I will encash it and tell you to make 10 Insta posts for my brand or my product, which at that time could be worth a lot, but today I could buy it cheap because you're not yet that famous. Are you getting what I'm saying? I am. And that's incredibly fascinating. That's my what, mind yeah. is blown right now. <laughs> so imagine some kid wants to become a doctor, but he doesn't have the money today. So he can prove to the world that, look, I'm a smart youngster. Invest in me. I will become a doctor. And then I will give you five surgeries for free. Or I will give you 20 hours of consultation for free. So I can buy that NFT today, hold on to it, in future sell it off or encash it when I need an operation or somebody I know needs an operation. So I want to allow these youngsters to monetize their future influence. So someone like you would be an ideal example of that. Someone like you could sell your future tweets and Insta posts today. And a few years from now, when you definitely become famous, I'll encash it. Thank you so much. <laughs> that really means a lot. When you said definitely becomes famous, I got like a huge surge of like optimism coming through my body. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt, so right? Because you are already on the right track. Okay. What you're doing makes sense. And I'm sure you'll continue to do this for a few years. And there's no doubt you have to grow. It's just that's the way the world works, right? If you keep doing something consistently well, you do get better and you do get more famous. So I would say in three years, you should be a famous character. And I'd love to invest in your NFT. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you mentioned DeFi and how you're a huge believer in DeFi. And I wanted to know, so the concept of DeFi, I don't think people understand it. I don't think I understand it as well. And I was discussing this with Anubhav also yesterday. So what what is your take on the future of DeFi and also the metaverse? Now, sure. a little bit of a background about this question. I created these questions before Facebook did the whole stunt with meta. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, I, st- I still like to know what you think is the future of DeFi and the metaverse. Now, uh, all of a sudden, everybody knows what the metaverse is. But I think three days ago, nobody knew what the metaverse was. <laughs> okay. So uh, my experience with metaverses goes back to, I don't know, maybe 20 years before. 
when uh, there was a very popular site called Second Life. I don't know if it still exists. But what we could do is we could go to Second Life and create a virtual avatar of ourselves. So in real life, if you're not happy with the way you look or your height or whatever, in the metaverse or at that time, say Second Life, we could create our digital avatar, which is six and a half feet tall and really good looking, for example. And that's a virtual world where we start to immerse ourselves. So, you know, at that time, colleges had actually bought offices in Second Life and you could go there to their virtual office and get counseled for their courses. Embassies had set up there where they could talk to you about visas for their country and why you should come and settle down there. Now, metaverse is the same concept. It's just now grown a lot more. So now imagine people today are not very happy with their realities. So they can put on this headset and suddenly what they're looking at is virtual reality. And that could be whatever you want. You could be on the beach. You could be in the middle of an African safari just by clicking buttons without even moving out of your home because all this is virtual. And that's what the metaverse is. The virtual representation of our universe. And I've always been a fan of this because it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, like I'm quite a, a person who doesn't like to leave home much. But I would love to see lions in the African jungles, for example, or elephants, for example. Why can't I just do that virtually? And that's what metaverses enable you to do. So now you can buy a huge property, make it look as beautiful as you want, buy virtual fashion, which can then be worn by your character in the multiverse. So I'm a big fan of multiverses and I've always been. I, I hope that made sense. What that multiverses does make sense, are. but that brings up another question for me. Where where does NFTs come into the, into the play when it, when we talk about metaverse? Okay, so one example of where it would come in is in this virtual home of mine. I need paintings on the wall. So in my real home, I have paintings. Similarly, in my virtual home, I need paintings. So that is where one kind of NFT comes in. Then in my virtual home, I may need dogs and cats. So crypto kitties kind of a thing could become my pet in the virtual world. So in the virtual world, we are going to recreate everything that's there in our real world. So whether it is pets or paintings or fashion or furniture, NFTs is like the bridge to bring that into your virtual home and your virtual universe. That, that's how they fit in. That's incredibly fascinating. I feel like my mind has expanded in this last 45 minutes that we have talked. <laughs> Do you remember watching this movie? Okay, I mean, where this guy is accused of sexually harassing a woman, but uh, it's a very famous Michael Douglas movie, I think, many years ago. That was one of the first times that they showed someone wearing those AR, VR kind of headsets and then walking in a virtual space to look for files inside their servers. That's exactly the direction that the world has moved in. And this movie is like more than 20 years old, but that's the way we are moving in. That's incredibly fascinating. In fact, I'm kind of at a loss of words right now. Usually when we record podcasts, I always have so many things to say, but right now I'm taking in so much information that I'm just like kind of at a loss of words. But anyways, we're going to move to the absolute last question. This is going to be a bit of a rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you to explain some few terms uh, that are very popular in the crypto space. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, sure. So the first term is AMM, Automated Market Makers. Yeah, so let's say you've come out with a new token and it's not registered or listed on any crypto exchange. So how are people going to buy and sell it? So you could go on to liquidity platforms like Uniswap and create liquidity pools so that people can buy this new token against one of the existing established tokens. That's what AMMs help us to do. That's incredibly fascinating. Next one is DEX, Decentralized Exchanges. 
Sure. So a centralized exchange like Binance is something which is owned by a particular entity. A decentralized exchange like Uniswap is not really owned by an entity. It's a piece of technology. And anybody in the world can come and without needing to create an account, simply connect your wallet to it and do your swapping. So those are decentralized exchanges. And they're available for most of the popular blockchains, including an Ethereum or Binance or Stellar. For almost all of them, you will find them. And last one, finally, what is a DeFi protocol? Sure. So decentralized finance simply means that where the centralized finance of today is controlled by central banks and you know normal banks, in DeFi, there's no centralized entity controlling it. There's a piece of technology or a protocol designed by people and you can directly interact with that protocol and invest your money, lock it up, get returns on it. And it's completely decentralized. And that's the reason we call it decentralized finance. That's incredibly fascinating as well. Uh, Rohas, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's one of the greatest episodes. I am pretty sure this episode is going to do incredibly well. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. I truly learned a lot and I'm sure our viewers will be happy as well.